0: Time books. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of Saturday Matinee Theater, brought to you by your friends at the Longbox Crusade. We are back in Gotham City in our recording studio that is set up in one of the many unused rooms in stately Wayne Manor. Still not sure that Bruce even knows we're in here. I'm your host, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, and joining me as always is the Robin to my Batman. It is Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. How are you feeling today, boy wonder Christatos?
1: Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked because let me tell you how I feel. I feel most respected when I'm really clean shaven.
0: Oh, okay. I get the right. Doesn't everybody? Second. You know, you I, feel-
1: I just don't feel I get the respect, but when I shave,
2: man. I tell you what, Pat, it's kind of offensive to me anyway, not to Jared or to Jason, but to me a little offensive
0: you know, yeah take the hint take who are you talking to
2: J- J- jared are, oh, I'm, are you talking on someone? I'm sorry no you're you're not you're <laughs> not on mute i heard every word that you said you know Adele, not all of us can grow a luscious beard like you so just <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it's gross Give anyway you know who else has joined us in the wade Manor today it's our laziest alfred pennyworth of all time it's my brother jason the weasel skull albrick and how are you today jason
3: and I have had it up to here with this Bruce Wayne and this little, I don't know if he's teenager or 40 or however old he is. I'm just saying, I clean up his room, I find stacks of comic books, and then I find Just for Men. You know, like, I don't know how old this guy is. <laughs> now, let me tell you what happened yesterday. Yesterday... I'm in the middle of my stories. I'm watching my stories. And then Bruce Wayne's like, Have you checked your mail? So I went and I get the mail, right? Hey, it's a bunch of crap. You know what comes in the mail these days? I got all these like you know, these lame coupons and offers and all this stuff. So I throw it away. And then he's like, I told you never to throw the mail away. But you know what? Tomorrow, if I bring him that whole stack, he's gonna go, like, Why are you bring me this whole stack? And I'm gonna have to throw it all away. It's ridiculous. I'm living with I don't know, a, a grown man and maybe a Small grown man? Have you ever seen that movie Orphan? <laughs> <laughs> this is just ridiculous. I'm gonna update my resume. I've been a whole day. How's good day?
1: You know, maybe I think Robin if he shaved, but then does he really need to shave? Does he not? I
0: ah Think he's shaving his legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's a good point to move on. We also have with us the incorruptible lawman of the city is Commissioner Delvin the Dark Web Williams. How do you do, Commissioner? And congratulations on getting out of the crocodile pit.
2: Actually, it was pretty adorable since there are nothing but puppies in there. There weren't any crocodiles, so I'm okay. I'm fresh and clean. Maybe a little dander here and there, but it's okay. A you know, quick shower, I was good to go. I have concerns, though, in my commissioner duties. You know, I'm seeing that Dick Grayson You know, has gone into work somehow for employee. And I'm not sure if he is old enough to actually be working yet and might be violating child labor laws. It's possible.
0: Or he might be the vice president of the local union. (laughs) Once we
2: ascertain how old he is or is not, then there might be charges. That's all I'm saying. That's
0: fair. Not only do we have a full complement of the LBC crew here this evening, but we also have... A guest, a recurring guest to Saturday Matinee Theatre, but he has not yet been to Gotham City. So we would like to welcome officially to Gotham City, Mr. Alan
4: J. Porter. Welcome to Gotham City, Alan. Thank you, Jared. Though I must admit, trying to get here and these guys picking up caskets on the beach and muttering something about Plan 94, they, they just kept getting in the way. And then there's all these crazy armored cars driving down the road, swerving and teenage 40-year-old men driving hoops <laughs> too fast on the wrong side of the road. So it was a bit of a trick to get here, but I'm glad I made it in the end.
0: Yeah, Gotham can be tricky like that. Alan, let me ask you the standard questions we ask the guests in their first time in the city. Very similar to the standard questions you've been asked on other Saturday <laughs> episodes. I would like to know what your first memory of Batman is and what your favorite iteration of Batman on screen is.
4: Okay, so my first clear memory of batman is around the end of 1966 the big department store in the city where i grew up used to do probably the equivalent of a minis macy's parade but in the uk it wasn't the macy's parade but anyway they did a pre-christmas parade and every year they would have some gimmicky way of santa arriving at the store and in november 1966 he arrived in the batmobile and my parents took me along to see santa arrive in the batmobile And I have been convinced my whole life that it was the real Batmobile from the TV show because Adam West was in the UK doing promotional stuff. I found out last year it was not the real Batmobile. It was basically a mock-up that was owned by a British pop singer, and it was the pop singer and one of his mates dressed up as Batman and Robin. But that was still cool, and that sparked my fascination with Batman. The first comic book I ever bought with my own money was a British Batman Super DC, which had Batman reprints in it. And I was pretty much a Batman fan, TV, comics, until I went to high school. And stopped reading comics in high school and then got back into it at college. In 86, I picked up a copy of Batman from the Spinner Rack, still have it framed me in my office. And that sparked my Batman mania that lasted like 25 years as a Batman collector. Um, I think at the height, I had about 12,000 Batman items in my collection, which... Led me to write the Batman Collector's Guide, got me on TV as so a Batman collector, ran one of the first Batman websites for like eleven, twelve years. And the Gotham Gazette, if anybody's really can remember that, Gotham Gazette, Batman magazine on the web. I ran that for founded and ran that for like twelve years. And then but, but about, do you like Batman? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm actually more of a flash and green arrow guy, really. Um, <laughs> He's <just> got diverted. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I have a question on the Batmobile, because I know you're about to tell us about your favorite on screen, but I got to know about the Batmobile. Was the steering wheel on the other it side?
4: Was, it was, no, it was actually, I found it because the way I found out it wasn't the real Batmobile was on one of the Facebook pages for the uh, growing up in the city where I grew up. There's like one of those Facebook groups, for nostalgia around the city. And somebody posted a picture from that actual night, which I'd never seen before. And doing some research, it was a 1958 Chevy that some guy in the UK had basically customized. And it's meant to, I understand, it's actually the first tribute replica Batmobile that was built. It was even built before George Barris built any replicas. It's meant to be the first replica Batmobile that was ever built anywhere. Um, So that's pretty cool. So actually last year I bought a Batmobile kit and a 1958 Chevy kit and basically kit bashed them together and built a model of it. That's cool. That was fun. So yeah, I basically stopped collecting Batman seriously in around 2012 liquidated my collection. Most of it is in the action and toy figure museum in Oklahoma. If you ever want to go visit it. And then a few years ago, 2015 i actually got back into doing batman stuff on the web so i run a web a tumblr account called batman on the cover where we're doing a chronological posting of all the batman publishing history so we started with detective 26 not 27 because there's actually an ad for batman in detective 26 and pretty much every day i post up the next batman cover and i think we've got over 1500 covers posted so far and we're up to december 1965 this morning so if you're on tumblr or Instagram, if you want to go check that out, it's Batman on the cover on Tumblr and Instagram. That's my long and convoluted answer to your question about my Batman history. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) did did Alan say something like that he likes Batman or something yeah (laughs) no 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 no. no. Um, (laughs) my favorite on screen Batman is an animated Batman but probably not the one you're thinking of it's actually Batman Beyond oh I like Batman Beyond oh I love Batman Beyond it's a great continuation of Batman the animated series I just love the relationship between Terry McGuinness and Kevin Conroy I've always liked the idea of Batman as a generational hero that the the cape and cow gets passed on an absolute killer of an opening animated by Darwin Cook that's my favorite Batman. But I will give a shout out to the movie that you love, Jared, as well, because I actually... Mask of the Phantasm? Mask of the Phantasm. I I like that, too.
0: Okay. I love Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. It's super cool. All right. Thank you, Alan, for your less than thorough answer
4: to our question. That's probably the longest answer you've got to that question.
0: (laughs) People are usually like, I got a comic and I like the cartoon. (laughs) That's not wrong, (laughs) but man, Alan always brings the extra tidbits, and Pat brings the show description. So, Pat, let people know what they're in for, please, sir. All right, Jared, I'm
1: glad you asked. Saturday Matinee Theater is a retro review show brought to you by the Longbox Crusade, where we will be taking you back to the past with some potentially overlooked retro awesomeness, either in a television, movie serial, or films. Basically, if it's vintage and it's kind of forgotten... We're going to dig it up. This episode, we are continuing our dive into 1943's Batman Serial. 1943's Batman Serial was produced by Rudolph C. Flortho. It starred Lewis Wilson as Batman and Douglas Croft as Robin. So grab your Batarang, fire up the Batmobile, and swing into adventure. But don't forget to check that mail because there might be something blank in there that you're missing. You could already be a winner. You could, you just have to send it in.
0: Now, before we hand it over to Delvin for this episode's info, let's take a look, or in this case, a listen to a commercial that would have been playing at this time when this episode was released back in 1943. This will help us get to the right time frame of mind, if you will, and transport us back to the 40s. For this episode's commercial retro rewind, we have Gillette Razors.
4: Pee-wee Reese has a way with Dodger rookies or Blood youngsters. Pee-wee, you do a lot of work with boys. Not work, Al. I like baseball and kids. I enjoy helping teenagers start right. Well, that's around shaving age. and you give them pointers on personal appearance, too? Yes. A boy has more self-respect when he's clean shaved. I tell him to use a Gillette razor, Al. You said it. The Gillette Super Speed Razor. And today there are three. Light for sensitive skin and most younger men. Regular for average skin and beard. Heavy for men who like the heft and feel of a heavier razor. Each is different, precisely engineered. One has the right blade edge exposure, edge angle, and weight to shave you in a breeze. Comfortable, good-looking shaves you may never have had before. And convenient, you change blades and rinse clean so. Choose your Gillette Super Speed Razor. $1.29 with Gillette Blue Blade Dispenser and Handy Travel Case.
0: Okay, guys. What do we think of the 40s Gillette commercial? I know Jason is chomping at the bit to talk about it. And I know what I as soon as I saw it, I was like, Jason's gonna to want to talk about it more than anybody, but hey, the guest gets to go first. So Alan, what do you think?
4: Well, as per Pat mentioned earlier, I feel deeply disrespected by this whole thing. I think it's it's a terrible ad. Um I think it's beardist. It's not fair to those of us who enjoy a, a nice continuous growth of facial hair. So here, here,
2: here, here, Alan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And I, I tell you, Alan's got a great beard.
4: And I've no idea who these people are or what they do or other than they seem to do strange things with boys in sandlots and with bats and sticks i've no idea what that (laughs) was all about so
2: you see alan over here in the states (laughs) (laughs) it's called baseball it's
4: whatever it's called it sounded really dodgy to me i'll tell you that
2: (laughs) it resembles cricket (laughs) Oh my goodness! You know,
0: actually, we call it rounders, but that's right, rounders. Oh my gosh, I've heard that term in forever. Pat supposedly is next on the script, but I gotta go to Jason. I know he needs to go. So, Jason, (laughs) go ahead. Oh, by far my favorite commercial so far. It had my beloved
3: Dodgers, and not just any Dodger. You have Pee Wee Reese, Hall of Famer, shortstop, one of the guys that came up with one of the greatest Dodgers in all the Dodgers lore, the great Jackie Robinson, number forty-two. And then you had Don Zimmer, who went on to be a great coach, Roy Campanella, another Hall of Famer. Holy cow. Just watching that, I was like, man, it makes me want to buy that dangerous looking razor and rub it on my
1: face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it sounds like Jason wanted to be one of the boys that he was yeah, helping out. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> throw me the ball, Pee Wee. Throw me the ball. <laughs> Why didn't they call him Pee Wee? Why did they call him Pee Wee? <laughs> All right, really? My time is up. Pat, you're getting skipped this time. Uh, <laughs> those weren't even the Los Angeles Dodgers.
3: No, those were the uh, Brooklyn,
0: Brooklyn. Brooklyn Dodgers.
3: Right. That's how old school this commercial mm-hmm. was. That's right. And they had three great ones right there. That's That's amazing.
2: Yeah, it was a pretty good lineup. Uh, Delvin thoughts I think Jason took most of them I mean tell you what they really wanted to sell these razors because there was some star appeal in there I mean I've I've heard of these baseball players and I was like heck yeah all for it and yeah I I don't know about putting that razor to my face either (laughs) I I value my face so and I don't I want skin to stay on it so I don't know maybe just like walking by it and just kind of like wiping your face against it, but not actually applying the razor to the face. Y'all got satisfied by 80 years of razor technology. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I didn't shave until I was 18. The first time I shaved was putting on an ROTC uniform. That's the first time I ever shaved. And I had to have my roommate at the time, Brad Parker, who was a hairy little SOB. Now a minister, so he's not a SOB. I'm probably the SOB. Anyway, <laughs> and he, he taught me how to shave. So, yeah. Really? Yeah. So that's
0: it came late to the shaving party. All right. All Very right. late. Pat, what do you think of the commercial? Give us your history of shaving your face, Pat. Shaving your face. Like Delvin, I was a late bloomer. So
1: this beauty didn't come until my later seasons of life. And I think it's still kind of working on it. But my question for you guys is, there was three choices of blades. There was a light, there was a regular, and there was a heavy. Which one are you? If you had to buy, which one would you be? For me, I'd be a light because I got sensitive young skin. So I'm a light. What would you be, Emphasis on young, Pat.
2: Emphasis on young, Mm -hmm.
1: yes. What would you be, Delvin?
2: Probably light because even in the 15 years of active duty Air Force that I did, I shaved every other day. I'm not one of those who had. some people have to shave like twice a day or they like pop a five o'clock shadow and everything. That was not me. Every other day I shave from start to finish.
1: Dirt with your baby smooth yeah, skin.
2: My baby smooth skin.
0: I would definitely be a light guy. I have not shaved since 1997 and you're looking at it right here to the full, <laughs> full growth. No, I mean, it's like Delvin shaved every other day. I literally shaved once a week when I was in the military. Monday was shave day. And that was just so people wouldn't make fun of my peach fuzz.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Alan, what about you? I'd be alike, too. I'd shave, I don't know, once, twice a week. The reason I grew this was because my skin's so sensitive that shaving every day just ruined my skin. So it was actually easier to grow the beard when I was at college. And I was going to say, I've had a beard ever since, except my kids, when they were young, were always complaining about my beard. So at one time, I actually just shaved it off, and they didn't clock that i shaved it off for like a week <laughs> so i was like really you complain about it or when i shaved it off you didn't even <laughs> damn notice so it went back on and i've never shaved it off since no so. sherlock
3: Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: home so yeah nice. i'd be a light because i don't okay. shave that often so jason
3: i'm gonna round it out with a light as well i think i could get away with that i shaved a little more frequently when i was in the military now i pretty much have to shave every day or i get a little scruffy I do remember there was this Italian in my basic training, though, and this poor guy, like, he would shave in the morning, and then he'd get chewed out by the time we marched to the chow hall for (laughs) breakfast.
2: All right, Dalvin, do your thing. I will do my thing. Episode info. Chapter five was titled The Living Corpse. The director was Lambert Hillier, with writers Victor McLeod, Leslie Swabacker, and Harry L. Frazier. With guest stars, J. Carol Nash as Dr. Tito Daca, Shirley Patterson as Linda Page, William Alston as Alfred, and Gus Glassmeyer as Dr. Martin Warren. As a reminder, all 15 episodes are available on YouTube. We highly encourage you to watch this episode before proceeding with this podcast because not only is it just more fun that way, but Jared is about to give a synopsis about this episode. Then we're going to discuss it. So there are probably some spoilers heading your way. So if you haven't watched this episode, we recommend you pause here, go check it out on YouTube, then come back to join our discussion. And at about 20 minutes per episode, it's not a big time demand. For those of you who are watching along with us, we love to hear your insights. Don't forget to comment about the show on Twitter using the hashtag, I'm following Batman. Jared. Hashtag, I'm following Batman. Jason. Hashtag, I'm following Batman. Hey. Hashtag I'm following Batman
4: Alan Hashtag I'm following Batman
2: Hashtag I'm following Batman everyone And we now hand it over to Jared For the episode summary
0: I saw Batman. He was going over a cliff in an armored car. But good news, he leapt out just in time. Dr. Daka works with a Japanese submarine commander who is leaving an important package for Daka at Smuggler's Rocks. It's an on the nose name if I ever heard one. <laughs> Bruce Wayne receives a coded message. Are you paying attention, Alfred? <laughs> about Possible sabotage at a nearby Lockwood airplane factory. But don't ask how the U.S. government knows to send stuff like that to Bruce Wayne. (laughs) Anyway, Dr. Daka gets his important package, and it's a dead Japanese soldier. And Daka, using his mad science to bring the soldier back to life, albeit momentarily, does so so the soldier can relay the secret message that Daka is to steal the secret aircraft from the Lockwood factory. Are we all still keeping up on this? All right. DACA uses his Funhouse ride to capture two actual Lockwood employees and then zombifies them to gain information and use them as inside men. The brainwashed Lockwood employees take out Dick in a fistfight and steal the plane. But Batman has stowed away on the secret aircraft. Unfortunately, Batman is spotted and must fight the brainwashed men while the Civil Air Defense shoots down the unauthorized aircraft. Did Batman die in the crash? Tune in and find out. Okay, let's get into the highs and lows of the episode in round one. Alan,
4: hi, low, what the... I'm going to go with something that started out as a negative, but the more I thought about it, it was a positive. My initial thing was the plot did like a complete left turn. What happened to the radium, the radium gun? I mean, we had the thing at the beginning with Batman's Light, like, I've got to go recover the radium gun and then never mentioned it again, and it never got seen again. And all of a sudden, we've switched from radium guns to stoke airplanes. Plot took a complete left turn, but what I actually did like about that was the contrast in the secret agent stuff that you just sort of mentioned, that Bruce Wayne got summoned by the government through codes, coded letters, the way stamps were put on an envelope, secret invisible messages that you needed to put into chemicals to get it out all very scientific and stuff And then on the other side you basically get the japanese giving the similar instructions to their guy by shooting a guy out of a submarine tube in a coffin through star trek too <laughs> yeah <laughs> who then gets uh, resurrected to give one sentence and hand over a button with a microfilm on it and then he's dead and they don't care about him anymore. And they basically like get rid of my brave Patriot. I did love the fact that actually J. Carol Nash seemed to fluff his lines in the middle of that. Cause he said, this guy is in a state of animated suspension. Mm-hmm. I actually think he meant to say this guy is in a state of suspended animation, <laughs> but they just went with it. So I thought that was cool. You're like it's 1943. Nobody, knows what, is. No, nobody <laughs> knows what the hell he's talking about. Anyway, I didn't think about it until I was watching it the second time that it was actually a neat contrast in the spy craft, if you like, the passing of secret messages between the, the technology advanced American way of doing it and the crude way of sacrificing life for the Japanese way of doing it. I just thought it was a great contrast between the two methodologies. Now, a
0: little known fact, the Japanese government still uses the zombified message delivery system to this <laughs> day. <stick. laughs> I can't back that up with paperwork. Delvin, (laughs) it's your time for a higher level.
2: Yeah, that part was, that was a trip. It's like, if I were that soldier, I'd have been like,
4: couldn't you use like a carrier pigeon? (laughs) I could have just told you the information. Yeah, especially if they actually get, they contacted him by radio. Couldn't he have just said that over the radio? (laughs) In in a a cold or something? Why do I have to? Be dead.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was that was an extraordinary effort to take. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine telling my mom and I, oh yeah, mom, dad, wife, kids. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm taking one for the team, and I'm sacrificing for the great emperor. What are you gonna do? I'm, I'm gonna give up. Sentence too. <laughs> a sentence and a- <laughs> what, what was that? I, 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 I said I'm serving. Yeah, so okay, there's that part of it, and and I'll give a what the I'm glad I was listening to you re-explain everything that happened because I lost track of the plot. I was like, okay, there's a radium gun, and, and now like there's Daca. Yeah, they were. It was all over the place. So the plot and m- much like this, you know, high low, it's all over the place, and it was a hard time following it for me. Personally, I don't know. I, I could be speaking alone, but I, I want to see what someone else thinks.
0: Well, that someone else is Pat, my very own boy, Wonder, sir. I was beginning to think, like, did I miss something? That's
1: what made me go back to episode four to like, okay, I got to watch episode four to see if I missed. When did Bruce get in the Secret Service or whatever? And Like, when did this come mm. about? Did, mm. Was it earlier on? Did I miss something? I got some fun facts coming your way that I'll okay.
0: All right, well, I just wanted to know, did I miss something? No, and and I'm going to be honest with you, as I was doing some research on the serial, they are going to have more holes. Like, they filmed a lot of stuff, and then they had to kind of fit a format, so they dropped some things. For example, I can't say this for sure, but I read, and we'll find out next episode, that you will never find out how Batman survived the plane crash. Like, he's just fine. They don't even show it. Usually at a cliffhanger, they show you how they get out of stuff, but I read, it just like it didn't happen. Yeah, Cause we see how he gets out of the truck mm-hmm. at the
1: beginning of episode five. And oh, yeah. my, what that is, man, don't you
0: lock the doors on those trucks? <laughs> <laughs> you should have listened to the last episode because I think you it did? was Dave who brought that up. How you going to have an armored car with a unlocked door?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to throw this one in there. Here's a good one. Cause you mentioned it in your synopsis. You said a word that triggered to me. Could you guess which one it was? Mm. I'll take that as a no.
0: I'm going to scroll back into my synopsis. Control okay. F, Pat, trigger words. It's control F, Pat, <laughs> trigger words. Got nothing. What is it? So, smugglers yeah. rocks. <laughs> Close to it. It was possible sabotage. So, does that make DACA a saboteur? Saboteur. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> Thank you. Pat's favorite word. And we love the way you say it saboteur. Saboteur. All right. Follow that, Jason. I'm going to go
3: back to revisit what Alan said about Daka and Batman kind of on opposite ends of the scientific spectrum here, doing their brain work, so to speak. Again, I really like Daka. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite Batman villains. Never heard of this cat till watching this series, but I watched that scene and it's, again, like a chess match. And we've talked about that. We've seen that in each episode. Batman setting something up, Doc is setting something up. Doc is set something up, Batman sets something up. And it's just back and forth and back and forth. And you get this just mental sparring of two elite men, one hero, one villain. And it's right now, it can go either way. And I'm just really enjoying that element of
4: it. Fair enough. I got a fun fact for you. You're going to dig about Doc later on today, Jason. Alan, it's your go. I'm actually going to go with another positive. And you sort of just mentioned him in my passing is the The ghost train, the horror ride thing. I love the Barker guy outside. The continued use of him in every episode, just the way he drums up traffic, but also the fact that they've continued to use that set in each episode differently. And just the continued use of the the ghost train, I think is great. I think that Barker guy is one of those guys that when he's talking and he's on screen, you can't ignore him. Take your eyes off He's got some great liners, one-liners, not so much in this episode, but I think it was episode four or three or four, when basically a young couple were in the line, and he's like, ah, you guys want to train on your own. <laughs> I don't know if that was ad-libbed or it was in the script, but it was, a, it was a cool little moment. But even with this one where, you know, he's not only enticing the guys from the aircraft factory to come in so they can get captured, but actually he's also then using that to draw up patriotic fervor in the crowd. And they're like, you know, these guys are helping build big planes and, equipment and you know you should be supporting them and stuff i just think he's a great character it has no name he just seems to be in every episode just on screen for a couple of minutes but he's great whenever he's on screen so i just love that character
0: he's a good barker if he gets your attention every time so yeah interesting side character very of the time you know with the patriarch fervor like you said and I was wondering if,
3: historically, if they did have rides like that, and if so, how prevalent was that throughout out the country? Because that was obviously to fire up the community yeah, uh-huh, to say, uh-huh. okay, this is who you're fighting, and this is why they're evil, and kind of mix it in with that carnival of fun, but have a little propaganda mixed in there. I thought yeah. that was
4: interesting. I don't know whether that is something they actually did, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: I'll try to do some research for a... Oh, I don't know how fun it is because it's World War II, but, but an additional facts, we'll call it, instead of fun facts. Well, it's, re- it's
3: really cool. Like Gal said, it's a cool villain headquarters, and it would make it even more cool, just the irony of it.
4: Right, know? yeah. Like, Doc, Daka didn't miss the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It is a very ironic. The evil Japanese villain has built his headquarters behind something that is basically showing how evil, air quotes folks, they felt the Japanese were at that point. So, yeah. Daka, crafty. Back to you, Delvin.
2: It's worth mentioning that Robin went down in one punch. Who was hitting him, Kid Green Lantern, or something? Oh man, that dude! Like he
3: got laid out though. That dude, <laughs> that dude hit him like he was a man. I mean, I don't, we don't know if he's a boy or a man, but that it, dude made up his mind. He said, "That's a man. I'm giving him a man
2: punch." <laughs> and and Robin went out to like. Hey man, why can he one punch us? Oh, but, <laughs> well,
1: you know, he was probably working hard. You saw him moving that crate before. Yeah. Um, and been, you know, know all up, stuck it out or whatever, ready for a nap. It, it's
2: possible that it took all of his strength being such a young person that he is, or being an older person, it's possible that you know he like threw his back out before.
0: Yeah, he might have run out of his monster energy drink or his insure.
3: Yep, his arthritis could have been acting up. We don't know.
0: We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got, Pat? Well, I'm
1: going to carry on on that thing. Is uh, I saw two things with Robin here. One is is Bruce making drinks for him and Robin, or is he doing some chemistry? What was going on? I didn't know if he was mixing a drink, (laughs) and him and Robin were going to have some cocktails. And how old does Robin need to be in order to work on the docks? Or wherever this Air Force Base The
0: a- aircraft factory. Yeah, yeah. In yeah.
1: 1943 at uh, nine, I think is the. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just, I'm like, man, what's going on? And then, like Delvin said, Robin just getting knocked out like that. I'm like, man, that didn't take much to take him out at <clears throat> all.
0: The boy went, Wonder. Um, Wondering what happened to him is what he's wondering. He's <laughs> <laughs> on the Wonderland the- right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wonder where the F he just woke up. The <laughs> Grace is more like Big grayed Out. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, a whole bag of these. <laughs> Jason, go ahead.
3: Instead of a high, low, or what the... I've got a... They better. They better pay off with that big dude with the club guarding the entrance i want to see a mad throwdown between batman and big dude with the club guarding the entrance they teased us again i thought he was gonna do something to those two guys but he just kind of looks at the camera smiles like wait for it
1: (laughs) (laughs) i got a theory that eventually towards the end it's all going to come down to batman fighting Daka, probably in his fortress but what i want to know is does Robin have to pay the kid cost to get on the, the ride or will he pay the adult? Mm. Or is he tall enough?
2: With, is you that too? with the hair, he's tall enough. <laughs> Cause that hair is completely out of control. I don't know what's going on with that. It's like, there is no edge up in front. It's just kind of like all over the place. Like it's like eight inches high. He's Kramer from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, that is insane. What's going on with his hair situation. I don't get it.
0: Oh boy! Well, with that, that rounds out all of our official highs and lows. But I will open the floor to any burning highs or lows that are left at this point. We all know Pat probably has some, but Alan, do you have anything you'd like to add? Since you finally made it to Gotham and you are such a somewhat of a Batman
4: fanatic, somewhat, yeah, actually, yeah, I do. But it's not about this particular episode. It's actually about the. That's the serial itself and the opening credits of the serial A couple of things I don't know if anybody else has noticed it or it's just me but the first couple of opening bars of the theme to me sound very like the Danny Elfman mm-hmm. Have you guys already yes. mentioned that? No, okay. we haven't mentioned it. No. But, I, but I've noticed it. <laughs> and it's just made me yep. wonder whether Agreed. Danny Elfman had actually seen this. I uh, bet he
0: did. I bet he went back just to kind of see what flavors happened. I think he, he was like, "Oh, I like that. I, yeah. I really
4: feel like that. Yeah, because it, it really does sound like the, the 89 underscore. And the other thing I really like is just after the title, they put up a big title thing that basically says, based on the Batman stories that appear in Detective Comics, and Batman Magazine from DC Comics. But it's like the full-size credit. It's as big as the title. It's as big a credit as the actors get or the director gets. You compare that to a modern comic book movie where they actually never even mention the fact that it comes out is related to comics or comic magazines or you can go buy the comics. You may get a thing at the end that says Batman created by blah, blah, blah You know, on the end credits if you're lucky. I just love that. Maybe it's the marketing guy in me, but I just love the fact that as part of the deal, they were using the serials to cross-promote the fact that this was actually stuff from the comics, and this was the title of the comics, and pretty much go buy the comics. I just loved that. I thought that was great, and I wish they did that with the modern comic book movies, that they actually gave the source material that much screen time and screen real estate.
0: You know, i got to give credit where it was due back in 1998, I think Blade came out. And they have a red and white Marvel banner at the beginning of it. And Delvin said to me after we watched, he said, I don't know why Marvel doesn't really hit that home. Like, give you like, hey, we make comics. The same thing you're saying. And I thought it was interesting. It's almost like the universe listened because at least they started doing the flip, 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 flip and showing the comics. And then they kind of got away from that, started doing flip, flip, flip from other movies. And I was like, no, no, man, go back to the comic (laughs) one. I think Alan's point is well made, though, that they were so big and bold about it. But... Also remember who was going to the cereals. It was made for kids. As we learned in the fun facts with Flash Gordon, Flash Gordon was like the first cereal that actually they started showing in the evening because adults were enjoying it so much, too. I don't know if that happened with Batman or not. I have to do some more research on that, but that would totally explain why they were leaning into it. And then as we all know, in the 90s, it was like Hollywood leaned out like, can we get away with this kitty? quote quote kitty properties of comics
4: yeah, it was really interesting that they did it back then they were so front and center with it it was right there in the opening credits um, as to what the source material was and where you could go buy it and what it was called I just thought it was great oh absolutely any other burning highs or lows I'm kind of looking at you Pat nobody mentioned with
1: the airplane and it getting shot at like man how much anti aircraft weapons do you need to try to shoot this one plane
2: down <laughs> doing
1: that. it at
0: all they got <laughs> I can actually answer that. Yeah, don't tell me. With the 40s technology, so you might be applying modern technology to it to where we have, I, you, you have the ability would, yeah. to track a plane and, yeah. and, and adjust fire to that. They didn't have that in the 40s. So anti-aircraft was basically a shell that think of it as a reverse depth charge. It would go uh-huh. up to altitude and then blow up. And, and then you had to kind of hope you get whatever. lucky. Yeah, it was more of the shrapnel okay. that would take down a plane than like a missile ah, or, okay. or anything like that. So Read. it was actually a lot harder to shoot down planes from the ground with that technology. Oh, ah, yeah. well, it makes sense now because I'm like, okay, well, how did it even get hit? Because then,
1: you know, after all this stuff that was exploding, then you saw a little bit of like the, the back tail or, or something kind of smoke or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, well, yeah. did it hit it or, or what happened? But that
0: makes sense now. The things you learn. On Saturday, matinee theater with the LBC crew. All right. Anybody else got anything? All right. I'm rolling into fun facts with Jared. Let's start with this one. This one goes back to what you were saying, Pat. All of a sudden, Bruce Wayne is an agent of the U.S. government, you know, kind of out of left field. Well, there's a reason for that. Bruce Wayne's U.S. government ties were added to the show because censors didn't want people seeing Bruce Wayne taking the law into his own hands. Oh. So there you go. That's why they added it. They didn't want him to be a vigilante. Mm -mm, No. (laughs) Didn't want him to be some kind of on his own crime fighter. Come on now. All right. Fun fact number two. Eagle eyes may have caught the flaw in Bruce Wayne's mailing address. I'm not going to let Alan play because I bet he already knew that. Anybody else catch the flaw in Bruce Wayne's mailing address? It was in California. California. Delvin's got it. Los Angeles, California. California. Yeah. (laughs) Not Gotham City all right jason get fired up because this last one's for you all right i even rubbed my hands together which i'm not supposed to do i, so I know i noticed okay so our boy Nash who plays dr tito Daka, when they originally casting for the serial he was awarded the role of the joker the original villain was to be the joker and Nash got their part and then they changed it due to the war circumstances
2: really
0: yeah so Nash was originally cast to be the joker and then they took the joker out of the thing altogether
2: He would have done a really good Joker.
0: Yeah. All right. And that is that. He was originally going to be the Joker. And we've got one more fun fact because my good friend Alan texted me this interesting fun fact right before the show. This serial, we've talked about how it influences comics, right? We talked about how it changed Alfred. We talked about the clock, the Batcave. Alan, it's your story to tell.
4: So in 1964, the company in brazil that was doing the licensed batman comics in brazil seemed to run out of ideas for covers they had their own artists who did some weird covers but at some point in 1965 their batman comic covers featured colorized stills from this serial as their batman comic book (laughs) covers
0: Yeah, Alan Uh, sent me a sample. It's pretty good. It is literally like a still shot from the... A still
4: shot from from the movie colorized. yeah.
0: All right, with that out of the way, let's get into our bat Durang ratings. Our rating scale is as follows. Five means you loved it. Four means you thought it was very good. Three, it was good. And two, it was just okay. And one, I did not like it. Pat, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, you didn't see that coming, did you? Whoa
1: well no i didn't i'm gonna give it a very good you know i was entertained this is like 17 18 minutes that i was really enjoying it so giving it a
4: four all right alan i was thrown at first by the like complete left turn in the plot and the fact it doesn't really seem to make sense with everything else in the serial i had some high points but i had a lot of what there's so i think i'm going to give it a three
2: fair enough delvin I'm with Alan. There are elements I like. I like the Batman-Bruce Wayne dynamic. I like how devil may care they are with um Linda Page. Linda Page. Thank you. But they always come to her rescue, but she doesn't know it. And that's cool. And I like DACA. And it seems like DACA has a firm control over his criminal empire or whatever it is that he's trying to build. But I'm not seeing the full picture. It's like, I'm just looking at a broken up puzzle with pieces all over the place, and I don't know what picture that that's forming yet. So I don't think it's bad. I'm just, I kind of lost sight of the plot, and I hope that they get back to it and make it a little tighter. So it's a three for me.
3: Okay, Chase. I think I'm going to be high man on the totem pole here. I'm at a five. I've loved it so far. I still love it. I like the fact I don't know exactly what's going on. I like the fact that we have a villain here that's matching Batman wit for wit move for move. I like the fact that it's kind of all over the place. It gets the sense that you have this super dangerous villain that's like a cancer in the middle of your country, just causing chaos wherever he can. And Batman and Robin are doing everything they can to stop him, but they can't catch him. He's got a cool lair. He's got super gadgets. We got submarines off the coast. We've got A baller fight between Robin and a couple of zombie goons on the ground while Batman's fighting up in the air. We've got yet another great cliffhanger. I'm all in at a five. Now, if what you said is true, and they don't resolve this cliffhanger, penalties on the next episode. But for right
0: now, I'm still (laughs) at a five. Hey, I understand. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Okay, moving on.
1: (laughs) Hey, hey, hey.
2: Oh! (laughs)
0: Ah, I didn't get out fast enough. (laughs) <laughs> you're either on team two cool guys at a four oh. or you're at i mean i really do like it at to 3.5 but you know what i'm not joe november i'm not no
1: you're not no, you oh. are definitely not what's gonna be jared
0: i'm gonna go four it's just bonkers enough Ow! you know how i like bonkers things and with that when i finally made my decision put it on a four because i like how bonkers it is <laughs> it's time to get to the gotham city mailbag We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting on show content, free raffle entries, so much more. These are the folks that are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Thank you for
4: being a friend.
0: And
2: Helica Wolf. Alburn Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it. Or... Stash, Braxton or Underwood,
3: Clinton Robinson, Dave Collins, na Battlewagon, Gerald Green, Jason Keen, Jeremy L, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like the Jarman too. <laughs> Getting good at that. Joe Thomas,
2: John Watson, Jose Pollo Josh Strickland, Catwoman, Kathy Bright. Monstrous Mark Hatherley Maxwell
0: Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D.
2: Devins.
3: Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present.
0: Rob Morgan. Ross
2: Macho, Ryan Daly.
0: Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski, Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cop. And Brad Morin. Special shout-out to Tim Price, who bumped up his Crusaders Club amount recently. We really appreciate that, Tim. Shout-out, buddy. Thanks, Tim. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Just keep in mind we record these well in advance of release, so we'll get it all worked out eventually. But, hey, if there's a problem, send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. And if you're asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, that's easy. Just go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 dollar a month. Don't be Jason. You'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. And if you don't have any extra scratch laying around, but you want to help us out here at LBC Headquarters, how about you take a moment to write a review for this podcast? We'd really appreciate it, and we'd love to read your review on an upcoming episode. At this point in the show, we would normally do shares, likes, and retweets, but your old buddy Jared was in charge of the script and I was so used to blaming Jason for not having the last episode ready. I just left blame Jason in there. So I apologize, everybody. We will get back to shares, likes, and retweets next episode unless Jason screws it up then I can leave blame Jason in, in the script. But this one was 100% on me, everybody. We could probably guess at some, you know, Ryan Daly. Angelica Fennie-Wolf. Angelica Fennie-Wolf. <laughs> GLHG. I'm out of guesses. All right. So right with that, Jeff and Rick present. That's right. With that, uh, let's get to our closing. And that's Jason's job. I can't blame him for that. Yes, sir. Well, that's it for this episode of Saturday
3: Matinee Theater. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, and more, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can they find that?
1: Well, Jason, I am glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade on iTunes or Google Play or most podcatchers. You can also find us at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Lawn Box Crusade. Back to you, Jason.
3: Well, thank you, Pat. If you want to hear us on our track through all the James Bond Films, the James Bond universe, music, books, etc., etc. You can check out on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Jared, where can they find that? Jared! Jared, you're on.
0: Is anybody... Oh, you guys need some help. I'm right here. Oh, no. It's me, Christopher Walken. I can tell you about where to find on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. I was in a Bond film. And guess what, boys? I was in a Batman movie, too. <laughs> yes, yes, we know. I played Max Shrek. Yes. It was a good one.
3: It was good. Uh, you guys want to talk about that for a while? Uh, some other time, can you just, uh, I, if since Jerry's not here, can you read his line for him, please? All right.
0: On a secret podcast, on iTunes, Google Play, and almost uh, your podcasts. You go to www.secretpodcast.podbean.com. On Twitter, we're O H M S pod. I guess back to you then, since you don't want to hear about my stories of being on the Batman set. You know, you look Danny pretty... DeVito was there. Yeah,
3: yes, we know Danny DeVito was there. You look pretty happy, Chris, but where are you happiest?
0: Well, I'm happiest in the saddle. You tricked me into saying that, didn't you?
3: I did, I did. If you'd like to chat with us online, we could be found at Pat Kick Us Off.
1: Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01.
2: Delvin? You can find me on Twitter at DE underscore RAY1977Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull
3: on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Alan, where can they find you,
4: sir? You can find me on Twitter at Alan J. Porter. If you would like to join us in the continuing journey of Batman's publication history, you can join us on Tumblr on Instagram at BatmanOnTheCover.
3: Thank you very much, Alan. And thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. We'll see you next episode as we return to our coverage of the 1954 Sherlock Holmes TV series for The Case of the Neurotic Detective. The meetup location, 221 B. Baker Street.